0: Earth Matters would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers, and custodians of the land from which we broadcast today. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Idwin Jeffrey. This week, we are revisiting container deposit schemes, the policy that encourages recycling by providing a 10 cent refund for every eligible can, carton, or bottle that an individual deposits in a community recycling point. Australia has a long history with this policy, with a lot of iterations of container deposit schemes existing in the late 19th and early 20th century, and then for some odd reason disappearing in that sort of second half of the 20th century, only to be then re-implemented. So far, South Australia remains the state with the longest version of an official policy, establishing a statewide deposit scheme in 1977. Other states to follow in their footsteps include Northern Territory, New South Wales, Canberra, Queensland, and Western Australia. In fact, it's only Tasmania and Victoria who have staved off this policy until very recently, with both states announcing last year that they would implement a policy which is set to begin later this year. You may remember that we were talking about this topic a couple of weeks ago, speaking with Robert from community group Cash for Containers. During our interview, there were a few questions that Robert and I didn't know all the details to. This included the question of how come Australia had previously had deposit container schemes in the early 20th century, and then seemed to have gone through this disappearing act where they had to be re-implemented in the 1970s, 80s, and, well, for Tasmania and Victoria, this decade. There was also the question of to what level big business and big beverage had influenced container deposit schemes implementation throughout Australia, and the question of what different state models looked like and how effective they were in bringing out this scheme. So to answer these questions, we're going to flick over today to a conversation I had with Jeff Angel, who is the director at Boomerang Alliance, a long-running environmental campaign group dedicated to local action for container deposit systems. We'll switch over now to Jeff to ask these questions and get a little bit more details on this policy as we see it roll out across Australia in this big effort to tackle plastic waste. Jeff, my first question today was just, I know that, Previously in Australia's history, we've had container deposit schemes. Um, However, these were sort of you know different from varying from different state, and then sort of got repealed. Um, I was just wondering what what happened? Why did they suddenly disappear?
1: Uh, Previously, it was mainly glass, and yes, you could uh, get a refund if you collected and returned them uh, uh, to the retailer or the bottle, and then they would wash the bottles and fill them up again. So not only returnable, they were reusable. Uh, But in the late 50s and 60s, the popularity, uh, maybe that's the wrong word, the pushing onto the market by the bottlers of one-way containers, uh, increasingly made of plastic or aluminium, uh, became dominant. And as a consequence, they shut down the washing plants, reusables declined into virtual invisibility, and we had more and more single-use disposable beverage containers on the market. And as a consequence, they didn't see the need uh, for a container refund, uh, which would you know, encourage people to bring them back and for those uh, containers to either be reused or recycled, it was part of the big push to use more and more plastic and more and more uh, one-way disposable items.
0: Gotcha. And it's it's taken decades to rebuild that infrastructure. I know a lot of the container mm. deposit schemes have only been really relatively recently, um, with the exception of South, South Australia, which has been going since the nineteen seventies, from my understanding. Victoria and Tasmania are obviously the last two states to join the ticket, um, announcing the policy last year and hopefully rolling it out sort of 2023, late 2023. What's been going on with with, with Victoria and Tasmania? Why are they the last two remaining?
1: Oh, good question. But, you know, state politics, whether it's in Victoria or Tasmania or New South Wales, is always a bit weird. Uh, And in fact, when you look at uh, the the inception of container deposit schemes in other countries, there's always been local politics uh, determining whether they have the scheme, uh, how susceptible uh, the governments are to beverage container companies lobbying against the schemes, and then the details of the scheme, what's included in it, you know, glass, metal, plastic, or only uh, different separate materials, uh, and all of those local political factors influenced by the strength of the big beverage companies like Coca-Cola and their lobbying, and of course the community campaign. So after South Australia... Uh, we had uh, Northern Territory in 2012. Uh, the big companies, Coke, Lion and Schweppes, actually took the Northern Territory government to court to try and stop the scheme. They were that intransigent on supporting recycling. And then in 2017, New South Wales brought in their scheme and that was the big uh, uh, a big change because New South Wales is a very big market and since then uh, we saw Queensland uh, then we saw Western Australia uh, the ACT also came on board uh, but due to the unusual or weird politics of Victoria uh, governments kept edging towards uh, having a container refund scheme uh, Premier Napthine. Uh, was very uh, uh, supportive. Labor came in, not so supportive. So the campaign had to continue, and we had to convince uh, the Andrews government. Uh, Tasmania, <clears throat> similarly, uh, had had local politics. They weren't very keen on the regulation. Uh, they commissioned various studies that said, "Oh, it's too expensive," etc. And it all would have been much easier if we had had a national scheme. Uh, But the uh, big beverage companies lobbied against that and neither Labor or Liberal governments at the national level were able to bring one in. And we said, well, we're not going to stop there. We will go state by state, convince state by state. And now, ultimately, we have Victoria... First uh, of November this year, and Tasmania more likely next year.
2: I sort
0: of understand the stance. Just, just dissecting this big beverage pushback and lobbying. I sort of understand the argument from big beverage that they're saying that they're resistant to this idea of recycling or reusing policy. But I was just wondering, can, can you explain what they're it, – it does also feel illogical at the same time. I'm wondering if you can explain sort of what – why they've been so resistant to the policy and then also sort of what their lobbying has looked like. Because we always say, you know, this mm. this big company is lobbying the government. Um, but unless mm. you're a community group in the fight, I don't think that's necessarily – that, that mm. image is understood of what that means. What does it look like?
1: Well, it is all a bit strange because now when you talk to these big uh, bottling companies, they say they support container refunds. Mm. And in fact, they really want it because it supplies clean material for them to put in as recycled content into their new containers. So they've changed their tune. Um, They are initially very, very antagonistic towards being regulated because in a sense, it was a direct attack on their decision uh, to bring in uh, single-use, one-way disposable containers. So, you know, society and governments were saying you made the wrong decision, you're wasting a lot of resources, there's a lot of plastic bottles floating out in the environment and breaking up into microplastics and harming marine life and entering the food chain, etc. So they used a range of tactics. Uh, They obviously have enormous financial power to employ lobbyists to go and talk to the various uh, ministers. They have uh, much better access to premiers and prime ministers than a community group does, even a bigger community group like Boomerang Alliance. Uh, They employed... uh, Advertising on newspapers and social media, accusing the refund of being a tax. Uh, That's obviously ridiculous because you get your money back. Um, They co-opted some uh, community groups uh, to support their position uh, and their position was largely... The voluntary arrangements, like put a few more public space bins out, um, uh, do more advertising about litter, etc., and all those approaches had failed for years, and the litter, the litter amounts of you know glass, plastic, and and aluminium containers was just proliferating, and of course, you, when you add up the enormous waste of resources because we are talking about 12, 13, 15 billion beverage containers a year uh, that were being thrown away uh, uh, either at landfill or the environment. So, you know, they used all the traditional powers that they have to influence decisions and we of course had to mount a very, very big community campaign and Uh, There were friends in government, uh, uh, environment ministers were generally uh, convinced, but they couldn't convince uh, the more senior echelons of of their governments uh, because the big beverage companies had made a very big impression on, on those senior decision makers.
2: We've
0: previously spoken to Cash for Containers Victoria, which is you know a little mm-hmm. community group, in this fight, and yeah, that they, they basically it's a similar thing to what you're saying here, which is when they first brought the idea of a container deposit scheme, you know, to the government uh, in one of their first initial chats with um, one of their ministers, it was just sort of immediately put off the table. Uh, it mm-hmm. seems like it the idea has only become popular to, popular relatively recently. Um, I was just wondering is as a big community group that's been doing this all across australia what what's your experience been like in in the fight with you guys with, with sort of working with government?
1: Uh, well, there were some sympathisers in government um, I've got to say some of the EPAs weren't supportive uh, they didn't like the idea of this big new regulatory task that container refunds imposed on them. Because you do pass quite detailed legislation, and you have to uh, manage uh, the rollout of the scheme. You have to manage compliance, etc. You have to manage registration of beverage containers that are eligible for the refund. So they were very wary of the extra work. Uh, they did economic studies that said it was all too expensive, uh, and this this ran counter, of course. Uh, to the 40-odd other countries around the world who have these schemes and the sky hadn't fallen and the bureaucracies hadn't collapsed under compliance and the prices hadn't dropped sales. Uh, uh, So, you know, they they had to confront uh, all of those facts. But eventually... Uh, particularly in the case of Victoria and Tasmania, they just couldn't afford to be the only two states without these schemes. And the fact that New South Wales, Queensland, WA were successfully running these schemes proved that everything the beverage companies were saying was wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much uh, uh, resistance. (laughs) A government, whether it's Liberal or Labour, uh, can have to the to the obvious reality that these schemes work, and they are very very strongly supported by the community.
0: I know there's been a bit of uh, debate or discussion around the different models because obviously nothing in Australia can be standardised. Each state has its own. <laughs> Each state has its own model. Uh, and in 2021, when Victoria was sort of tossing up our policy, it was critiqued at the time for. Sort of following in the footsteps of the ACT and New South Wales in prioritising profits for big business, whereas models used by Queensland, Western Australia, South Australia, and Northern Territory uh, were more community focused. And a, a big fight was uh, allowing local sporting clubs, charities, and community groups to collect recyclables and then pocket the refund, um, which ACT and New South Wales did not do or did not do to the same extent. I was just wondering in your work, Do you guys sort of look at these different models and Mm. sort of advocate for the community focus? Do you know what model's Mm. going to be brought in Tasmania and Victoria as well? Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: The model being brought in in Tasmania is the New South Wales model Mm. and it's in fact the complete myth uh, that sporting groups and other charity groups and low-income people have less access to the refund uh, than in other states with a different model. Uh, It was, in fact, the furphy being put up by the industry and they tried to co-opt a range of uh, charity groups uh, to their position in Victoria and Tasmania. But again, again, the facts, uh, when you're faced with the facts that New South Wales uh, uh, and the ACT... Uh, producing enormous amounts of income for charities. I think the latest number uh, in New South Wales is well over $40 million. Uh, And nothing in the New South Wales model stops a charity from participating, either in collecting the uh, discarded containers and getting the refund, or in fact running a depot. Uh, where the uh, containers are sorted and you get a handling fee from the scheme.
0: Interesting. So uh,
1: again, we've had to overcome misinformation from the uh, big beverage companies. Uh, And when you think about it, do the charities in New South Wales compared to Victoria have any less motivation or capacity to make money from these schemes? Well, no, they don't. Uh, and everyone, uh, such as St Vinnie's de Paul, who run a number of depots in New South Wales, and I think uh, hoping to do do the same in Victoria, are very pleased with the flow of income they're getting uh, to support their their social services. So uh, the difference between New South Wales and, say, Queensland... Is that because it's a container refund scheme, the refund that the consumer initially pays is on every container, and if uh, say sixty or seventy percent of uh, those only those containers are coming back, then only those refunds are flowing back into consumers' pockets or charities' pockets. The other thirty percent. Uh, stays in the beverage company's pockets. And uh, a national scheme would have overcome that because that surplus refund money uh, would have been kept into a central account and be able to be ploughed back into the scheme. So the important factor in designing the New South Wales scheme was to have a separate network operator who uh, managed and installed all the refund points. And the argument that was accepted both in New South Wales and Victoria was that if the beverage companies were in charge of rolling out the refund network, and we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of refund points, Mm -hmm. then it was in those big beverage companies' financial interest uh, to dampen the level of returns because they would be keeping more and more of the Unspent refunds or unredeemed refunds, and that was accepted in New South Wales and Victoria. And those uh, in New South Wales, we have the highest level of consumer convenience to get to a refund point to get your refund. That's not so good in Queensland. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and in Queensland, they'd set themselves a target of eighty-five percent. Uh, return rate of all the containers uh, by uh, the middle of last year and they utterly failed to reach that. Uh, The number of refund points per thousands of population is worse in Queensland where they uh, went with the other model, not the New South Wales model, while in New South Wales there's the best level of consumer convenience. So it was about removing Uh, any control uh, the big beverage companies had over the level of consumer convenience or over uh, limiting the level of consumer convenience because the way the network operators uh, uh, make their money in New South Wales is by getting more and more containers through the system Mm. because they get a fee for running that network Uh, that doesn't exist in Queensland for example uh, but fortunately, in Victoria, uh, you will have a separation between who runs the refund network and the beverage companies who are a, a part of the coordination uh, arrangements in a separate entity.
0: Gotcha. And, yeah, that, that was going to be my next question because I know that in Victoria, at least, the scheme's going to be run by uh, VicReturn, Visi, Tom Cleanway and Returner, And VicReturn is a non-for-profit entity that has... Beverage industry members like Coca Cola, Europe Pacific Partners, and Asahi Beverages. So, mm-hmm. from, from what I'm understanding, it's the fact that they're not directly involved; they're sort of represented through this this additional group. And is is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not in charge of running the the network of refund points. Uh the government sets certain standards for consumer convenience. How many refund points you have in Melbourne and, and in re- regional and, and uh rural areas. Uh and that's their only job. They're not interested in lowering the level of refunds or recycling that's happening. They want to maximize it. Um and frankly, you know, it's the same in New South Wales. The, the big beverage companies are on the coordination body uh, and everyone's happily working together. Interesting. It just wasn't, wasn't uh, it was again another myth that uh, the beverage companies put up They were saying, well, if they ran the entire refund network, it would all be cheaper. Well... Rolly, what's happened? New South Wales is cheaper than any other state in running the refund network.
0: And look, I've got a bit of a adjacent question for you to finish up on, which is, you know, Australia's been struggling a little bit with recycling and recycling infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, the container deposit scheme's an awesome step forward and it fits into this idea of sort of the circular economy. Is there what, what sort of next to ensure that this the, the deposit sca- container scheme works and that we have the recycling capacity and and all of these sort mm. of next steps so it's not just sort of great we've collected a whole bunch of plastic what do we do next
1: you know yes well uh, as we predicted you know I'm not trying to. At ourselves on the back mm-hmm. so much. But as we predicted, the supply of billions of clean containers, because they're no longer in the curbside red or yellow bins and getting con- contaminated and dirty from all the other stuff there, because it's coming out as a separate source and going to refund points or depots, it's clean, it's a higher value on the materials market, and there are now reprocessing facilities Uh, being built, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria that are making the containers, plastic containers uh, collected uh, through these schemes into new bottles. So that's the ideal for the circular economy, that instead of having the single-use container that besieged uh, society and the environment for decades, we're now having a closed loop system where plastic bottles get made into more plastic bottles, where glass bottles get made into more glass bottles uh, and the same for aluminium cans. There was some degree of existing recycling for aluminium because it's so valuable Uh, but uh, we're now closing the loop on plastic. Uh, There is some future uh, consideration we'd like on introducing reusable bottles, probably made of glass, and integrating them into the container refund scheme. Uh, and we may get back to some extent uh, to return the glass bottles, have them washed and many, many times reused. Uh, the other two areas that will need future work in all the states uh, is improving the level of consumer convenience. Uh, as I said, New South Wales is doing pretty well. It uh, remains to be seen how well Victoria will do, uh, but Queensland and WA need quite a bit of work on consumer convenience. Uh, and as I, as I suggested, the influence of the beverage companies hasn't been much help. And the third item uh, is... The ten cent refund will be eroded by inflation, so we're going to have to keep an eye on increasing the value of the refund in order to continue uh, the financial incentive uh, for people to keep participating in the scheme.
0: Really interesting. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for yeah for <laughs> carving out some time today and walking us through no the history of it and where we're at. It seems just ludicrous that we had these concepts and these systems in place and we're now just working back to getting them
1: <laughs> well you know the, the 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 mantra in the 60s and 70s and 80s was the more we consume the more we extract resources uh, the better for society and its economy but now we now it's dawning on us that all the wastage is actually an enormous cost
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That was Jeff Angel from Boomerang Alliance. You can find out more at boomerangalliance.org.au. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in broadcasting today's episode and the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Melbourne, and we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. That's all for now, but tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories.